Welcome to Senior Moments with God. I am your host, Gretchen, and oh, today, ladies, do you enjoy a good story, a story about miracles and a story where the chances of something happen were happening were just so remote. It just has to be God intervening. And that's what you're going to hear today. If you need encouragement, if you need to know that there are still miracles going on in today's world, then today's podcast is for you. So, Grab your cup of coffee, open up that Bible, open up your hearts and minds, and prepare to be blessed as you hear Carol tell her story for God's glory. Well, I am sitting here on the phone with my sister in Christ, Carol. Hi, Carol. Thank you for being with me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Well, Carol and I do not know each other personally, but she's going to reveal how she came, how we came to have a great conversation the other night. I did not want to hang up my phone. I was sitting outside in the dark, even it became dark on the deck, and I just didn't want to stop the conversation because it's such a powerful testimony, Carol. Um, Before we start, could you just tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Sure, absolutely. Uh, My husband and I share a farm in Southern Illinois. Uh, We raised two boys and now have five grandchildren, three of whom live just a mile down the road from me, so I get to see them quite often during the week. Their father, my youngest son, works with my husband, so I get to see them regularly. My oldest son and his wife live just across the river from us, so we get to see them whenever we want to, not as often as I'd like, but, um, you know, the girls are busy with school and church and and normal things that 13 year old girls are busy with um but um we are we are so blessed to have five beautiful grandchildren currently i work registration at the emergency department in one of our local hospitals um i used to do uh, hospice i loved working in hospice i worked in hospice for two years as a cna but a work injury ended that part of my career and I was so concerned because I had such wonderful ministry opportunities in hospice, not just to my patients, but their families. Yes. And you know, you and I talked about that the other night too, to have a call into hospice. That is a special mission. And I thought I would be there till I put my teeth in the glass. I was, (laughs) I was just prepared to stay there until we, you know, until I retired and God had other plans and he moved me to the emergency room, which is exciting for me. I love the emergency room. I I actually am one of those people who kind of gets off on the adrenaline, Uh but um, I do registration. I don't get to be a CNA back in the the, uh, emergency room, but I do get little ministry opportunities here and there I get to pray with my patients every now and then and then if we have a death in the emergency room um, because I've done hospice my co-workers usually ask me to deal with the family and that is such a blessing um, I, I call it an excruciating blessing it breaks your heart and and I learned through hospice that that it's okay to cry with them You know, I was told that you have to be strong and you need to be the one who's got it all together so you don't set them off. And and to me, that was just so unfeeling. Mm -hmm. I thought, no, no, they need to see that, that, 
that this breaks your heart yeah. for them, you know. And so I do still get ministry opportunities, just not the long-term ones that I used to get when I was doing hospice. Mm-hmm. That's uh, that's so true, uh, and it takes it's it's a real gift to have that. Empathy. It is a calling. It's a calling because I remember. It is a calling. I remember when my mom, uh, she was with me at, in my home and hospice came in and when she was passing I remember the nurse sitting and crying with me and yes. she didn't say a word she just sat and cried with me yes. and I, uh, I'll i never forget it it meant so much to me just to have yes. someone there uh, mourning with me and understood who felt, felt your pain and understood yeah, it exactly who felt your pain and understood it yeah. and and God gave me a beautiful singing voice I've had it since I was a young child and quite often when I would bathe my hospice patients I would sing to them oh, wow and and that helped to calm them you know uh, because it's embarrassing having somebody bathe you yes Yes. You know, and and it would calm them, and it would calm the family. I don't get to sing a whole lot, baby. <laughs> oh wow, that but, is. I love that. I love that. Now, help yeah. help the reader, the readers, the listeners. Help them um, understand how you and I connected to this podcast. I just, I love that. I even though well, I my, love not when I don't know people. My sister-in-law, who is also my best friend, I call her my forever sister. We're going to have mansions next to each other in heaven. I'm absolutely convinced of it. <laughs> um, her name is Lana, and she's actually done one of your podcasts yes. before. Lightning. Um, lightning strikes. Yes, lightning. Yes, ma'am. Well, she has a friend named Deb. Now, I'm not sure whether Deb is a friend or a friend and a relative. I'm not sure of that relationship. But um, Deb invited Lana and, and me to come down to uh, Branson last month and I had never been I'd always wanted to go and I thought oh my goodness I can't wait to do this and I met Deb and she's just a lovely lovely person yes. and she was talking to me about this broadcast and she said Carol she said do you have a miracle that you can talk to Gretchen about and I said Deb, my whole life is a miracle I don't I and I and I have had one or two what I would consider miracles but but when I look over my entire life, my whole life is a miracle. So uh, that's that's kind of how I got connected with you was through Lana and Deb. Yes, and Deb did a um, an episode called The Blue Chair about the power of um, prayer and intervent, intervent, intercessory prayer. And oh, um, yes. it was beautiful. But when you said to her, um, my whole life is a miracle. At first, I know that she and I were like, well, how can that be? And then you told me <laughs> your story. And it yes. is, it's true. You, you're not exaggerating at all. Your life no, no, I'm not. is so I, I started out um, as an orphan in Germany. I was in a German orphanage. And my mother was, um, I had been told she was a war orphan, but she was not. She was not an orphan. She had her mother with her, but her her father did die in World War II. He was fighting in Russia, actually, and and died. And I mean, you think my testimony is amazing? You should hear my mother's story. It is it is horrific, and and yet uh, she was such an incredibly strong woman. I don't know whether or not she ever came to the Lord and that breaks my heart. So I'll have to, I'll have to wait until I get to heaven to see whether or not that ever happened. But, um, my mother had me in Wiesbaden, Germany and immediately put me into an orphanage. 
Then when I was four years old, she took me out for a period of eight to 10 months. Unfortunately, it was because her, her then boyfriend had asked her to take me out. And really that's all we need to say about that subject. People know enough about those relationships to, to guess the rest. Um, it, it was, it was a difficult time, but you know, God got me out of that. And, and my mother ended up taking me back to the orphanage. So, um, and that happened when I was about four years old. Um, so she took me back to the orphanage and I did not see her again until the day that I was adopted. And, um, the difficult thing about that was that she came in and she knelt down in front of me and she told me, she says, I'm going to America and I'm married and you can't come with me, but you are going to America. Um, and, and she told me that it wouldn't be with her, but it would be later with my new mother and father. And the last words she left me with were, you'd better be good or they'll bring you back. Oh, which was devastating oh. to me and so literally they the the schwesters the, the it was in germany it was a catholic uh, orphanage so they they were called sisters the schwester came and i i listened to my mother as she walked out the door heard her high heels clicking on the linoleum to this day i i'm just fascinated by that sound of linoleum with heels clicking on them and and the big oak doors swung shut behind her and and uh, Schwester Wilberg, who was my favorite Schwester, came and turned me around and literally walked me into a room down the hall to my new parents. Wow. That that was my my father had seen me first. He was an army chaplain. My adoptive father was an army chaplain who had come to um, the um, come to the orphanage to bring gifts at Christmas time. And the first time that he saw me, I was in a Christmas play and I was wearing a chef's hat. And I thought that was so odd. And I said, Dad, why, why was I wearing a chef's hat? Several years later, I asked him about that. And he said, well, you were the innkeeper and that was the only costume they could find. <laughs> So, yes, I was the innkeeper. But, but somebody said to him, isn't it a pity she has no one? And it was at that moment that God spoke to his heart and, and told him that they needed to adopt me. Unfortunately, that experience opened so many wounds in my adoptive mother's heart because she had had a difficult childhood, not, not nearly as traumatic as mine, but she had lost her favorite brother in the war. Uh, she was 11 years old when he died. And, um, and she was very traumatized by that and was also the youngest of several children. And by the time she came along, her mother was tired of babies. Um, so, so I, just for the sake of, of easy understanding, I call her Joanne. Uh, Joanne had a rather difficult childhood. And as a pastor's wife, it wasn't like she could go down to the local mental health you know, clinic and talk to somebody about that. Yeah. So she sent me instead. And, and we had a, a, a rather difficult relationship as I was growing up. And I realized as I got older that, you know, as all mothers, when I had my children, I realized you do the best you can with what you have. Mm -hmm. And, and she did the best she could with what she had. And unfortunately, I just opened so many wounds in her that she really didn't know how to relate to me. But one of the things that she told me when I was 11 years old was that my biological mother was a prostitute in Germany 
and that she had moved to the United States and married a black service man named Smith, and that she had probably left him not long after she got her green card. So this was the image that I had of my biological mother from the time that I was 11 years old until several years later. And, and, and we can talk about that in a few minutes because I want to tell you about actually finding her and how exciting that was. What trauma, um, though, you had from as a child, um, I know God's God's heart, he hurts with us in our yes, fallen world, yes. but to be to be told by your biological mother that you were she was leaving and that sound of the heels on the linoleum yes. and that image of that big door shutting um shutting you out and then yes. to to be um shut out emotionally by your adopted yes. mother i mean this this is a miracle that you got through this Absolutely. And and I say that. I, I, I say I I have joy today. That's not to say there aren't times that, that I, I, I struggle with depression since I was eleven years old. Um and and uh, when I hit puberty, I got a, a form of depression that comes with um, it's a hormonal mm-hmm. depression. So I take medication for that. Mm-hmm. I'm not ashamed to say that. I'm I'm thankful for doctors and pharmacies that can make medication mm-hmm. for that because if they couldn't and I didn't have that, I might not be here. Mm-hmm. And and so I'm very very thankful for that. And I talk very freely about that, you know. And and I did have a very traumatic childhood not just in my early childhood but also because of the difficulties that I had kind of coming out of that mm-hmm. you know um well, and you experienced, you experienced such trauma in addition to everything and um I I mean I can I also connect with the depression the uh, hormonal mine happened when I went into menopause um yes oh my it took a sweet time with you yeah and I I mean it hit me really hard and Mm -hmm. uh that's I I love that you're free to talk about it and also in comparison to your adopted your your adoptive mother how she didn't have at that time because of the stigma someplace right. to go someone to right. talk to help you know it's it's so sweet that we not only have a father who can help us but he's yes. given us help as well yes um, and absolutely and, like and, and and i have been so blessed along the way with with um like i didn't have a biological mother i never really felt like i had a mother although joanne did a wonderful job of taking care of me she just didn't really know how to deal with me but but god has given me spiritual mothers along the way and one of those women eventually led me back to the lord and and i had like i was baptized when i was an infant i had an experience at a a uh, baptist bible camp when i was 11 years old but nothing really seemed to stick until I had made such a wreck of my life with really poor, poor decisions. And I ended up in counseling with a a dear, sweet woman of God named Pat, who took me to my first Women of Faith conference. And that's where I rededicated my life to the Lord. And 
not long after that, I went to a uh, conference with a, a an evangelist named Paul Washer, and I don't know if you've heard of him. To me, he's just a local boy, you know, because he grew up here, and I was friends with his sister. But apparently, he has quite quite a successful ministry. I don't I don't know, but um, after not long after that. Um, after going to the conference with Pat, I went to this uh, conference with Paul Washer and he talked about that moment when God turned his back on Jesus. And that absolutely broke my heart because I knew what it was like to be rejected by a parent. Wow. And, and the thought that he would suffer that pain for me absolutely broke my heart. And, uh, several months later I made a CD, um, and in one of the, the first songs that I sing on the on the CDs called Along the Road. And when I was 18 years old and in college, a friend of mine introduced me to Dan Fogelberg. Mm-hmm. And, and that just sent me headlong down a road to self-discovery. And unfortunately, that road took some pretty nasty turns. And it wasn't until several years later that I realized the person that I needed most to find was not myself, but God. Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. <laughs> yes. And as I fumbled down the road of enlightenment, I kept my heart and my pride intact. I would, I would allow Jesus to be my savior, but I would not allow him to be my Lord. And I did not give him my heart. And I found after a while that the woman that I became was somebody that I truly began to hate. She was cold, she was bitter, she was unloving, and she was ungodly. And her heart was hard and dark and broken in so many tiny jagged pieces. And so I just, I hurled my heart at the feet of Jesus and I said, I'm tired of fighting. I'm tired of living, I'm tired of myself. I said, if you want it, God, you take it. And I just threw it at him. And he took it and he softened it and he began to heal it. And and that was, oh my gosh, that was so many years ago. And God has just, he just set my feet on a new path that day. And it it hasn't been an easy one. I'm I'm still in counseling. I'll be very honest and upfront about that. I I have several support people that I go to when, when times get difficult, but it's been more peaceful for me. And I can't really explain that. There's not always happiness, but there is joy and there is peace. There's a big difference between happiness and joy. Yeah. And everybody thinks we, we, we should always be happy. No, it's, it's a deep joy. It is so much more than that. It's the joy of knowing that my father has done everything that is needed for me to spend eternity with him. I don't have to do anything. So a little later, I I purchased a a CD by Ashton Becker and Dente, and the title of the CD is Along the Road. And I listened to the title song, and I looked at it, and it was written by Dan Fogelberg. (laughs) And I thought, oh, my gosh, I had come full circle. And while I had expected to find myself in the world, I found myself instead in God. And that made all the difference. But um, if we've got a few minutes left, oh, I, I have to tell you about Joseph. Okay. Yes. Do. Oh, yes, I, I, I have to tell you about finally finding my mother. I had looked for my mother for years under her maiden name because Joanne had told me she probably left her husband and uh, after she got her green card. So I just assumed you know, that she had taken back her maiden name. So finally, I, I started searching for her under her married name and I found her. 
the last, and, and unfortunately I found her because I found her death record, uh-huh. her, her certificate of death. And um, I waited about a year because thinking your mother is dead and knowing your mother is dead are two very different things. Yes. And so about a year later, I finally got up the nerve and I started Googling and looking up information and I found her last place of residence was Upper Marlboro, Maryland. So I thought, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get the white pages for Maryland and I'm going to just start calling Smiths. And I'm not going to go alphabetically because that made, you know, what if his last name is Xavier? (laughs) So I thought I'm going to just put my finger down on a name. And I'm going to call maybe three a day, and I'm just going to ask them the same question. Hi, my name is Carol. I don't mean to bother you. My mother was born on April 14th in Erfurt, Germany, uh, 1942. Uh, She gave me up for adoption, and I am just looking to see. I I know she married a serviceman named Smith and moved to the United States, and I'm just wondering if you've ever heard of her, if you know anything about her. So the first person I called, I swung my finger around. I landed on this name, Joseph Smith, and I called him. And I, and I gave him my spiel and there was just silence on the phone for about 10 or 15 seconds. And he said, you found her. <laughs> the, the, first, was, the first, the first, the first call. Well, I, first I, think, call. I think God wanted you to find him. <laughs> I think so. And I think God knew my heart. I think he knew that I would have been discouraged and I might've given up. Well, you know? plus, plus I think he also knew you needed the truth. About I your needed family. the truth. Yes. I needed the truth. And that happened. And I and I know a lot of people may not know about this, but the 50th year, the 50th year, biblically, is called the year of restoration. It's the year of Jubilee. And biblically, it means that if you owned land in the 20th year and lost that land because of a debt or something, in the 50th year, that land was, retor- was restored to you, hmm. was restored to your family. And, and that's the, the, the meaning behind that year of Jubilee and the year of restoration. But I was 49 years old when I found Joseph, just before my 50th birthday. And I went up to, uh, and, and I sat my family down, and they've all known, all, you know, my story for years. I've never been secretive about it. And I said, I met this gentleman. He he says he knows me. The kicker for me was that he actually had pictures of me at the orphanage in the same dress that my adoptive father had pictures of me wearing. Oh my. Oh and I my. thought, oh my goodness, this man was there. This man was there. And and he told me, he said, I've always wondered what happened to you. He said, I knew you. And he said, but because your mother took you back and I was not your biological father, I could not go get you. And I always wondered what happened to you. And he was so thankful to finally have found him. Uh, found me and I actually drove up to Upper Marlboro and met him. I've been there twice and met him. He is the most generous, kind, sweetest, loving man I think I have ever met. And uh, when I went there, all the neighbors wanted to meet me. All the neighbors loved my mother and wanted to wanted to meet Marion's daughter. And, and so I learned the truth. She had not been a prostitute. She almost died because she refused to do that and and so that that was a lie that satan meant to harm me and it did harm me for several years but you know what god restored that and he gave back he restored my mother's good name and and he restored my identity not as the child of a prostitute but as a child of the king 
love that. Yes, yes, as a child of the King. And I know that no matter what I go through, God is either going to keep me from it or get me through it. And I trust him and I can look over my whole life and see that even in the difficult, devastating times, God was there. He brought me through it. He provided someone to help me. He got me out of it. He helped me to understand it. And he helped me to heal. He gave me people then. He gives me people now. And I am not in this alone. I'm never, never alone. I never will be. And that is that is the greatest story from a child who, who truly started out alone, yes. you know, in life. To know that I am not alone and I never, ever will be is, is the most amazing blessing. Wow. Carol, what a powerful story. I mean, in 23 minutes, you have just... It is. Everything is a miracle. You're right. My whole yes. life is a miracle when you said that. It is so true. And it's all pointing to God and how he worked. Yes. He worked through that. That thread that goes all the way through your life is God. And yes. I just love the verse that keeps coming to my mind is Romans 8, 38, where it says, yes. nothing will separate us from the love of God. Yes. Not life or death, not height nor de depth, no powers, no angels, no principalities can ever separate us from the love of God. He loved you when you were conceived and born, and he continued yes. to love and be with you yes. through to now. What an amazing yes. story. And he's saved my children and my grandchildren. Wow. You know, that legacy of, of abuse and abandonment, it ended in my children's generation Praise and because of that my children and my grandchildren know jesus the chains are broken yes absolutely and what man absolutely meant, just like joseph said what man met meant for harm or evil god yes has turned yes well be. and i always think of job yea though he slay me yet will i trust in him yes yes you know yes. i i trust him he's brought me through incredible difficulty and heartache and and yet he still is there for me um, i love it and ladies, every time i need him ladies listening sisters listening if any of you feel your situation is just too impossible that god cannot his love cannot penetrate it you've just heard the truth carol <laughs> is showing you and pointing you to a loving father now the father that she was supposed to have with her and the mother that was not god's intention but he came through it all and yes. he just kept coming with his love upon her and yes. now she continues to point to him and his legacy of love and life in christ for her family and we can too we can Amen. too it's for everyone and anyone who will just turn and ask him in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Carol. Thank you for oh, sharing you your story. Oh, you are so welcome. My pleasure, dear. What a beautiful story for God's glory. Wasn't Carol's story just amazing, sisters? And if any of you are feeling that life is just throwing you too many curves and and heartache please listen to carol as she continued to be pursued by god and as she continued to pursue god 
and she found peace, as she said, and joy with him, even through all the trauma. He saved her, he's with her, and he's with you. And I pray that you know the joy and the peace that God has. If not, feel free to contact me, or if you want to talk to Carol, I can put you in touch with her as well. Our stories are for God's glory.